Hey everyone, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith. We hope that during this time of the global pandemic that you and yours are safe and sound. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be presenting to you some of the best of episodes that we have recorded over the last few years here at Bottom Line Faith. We're doing this in order to bring you some of the best high-profile and specialized speakers to help you navigate this crisis in your leadership in the marketplace. We'll be back with you soon with some new episodes of Bottom Line Faith, but for now, we hope and pray that this episode will be of tremendous value to help you live out your faith in the marketplace. And now, the show that bridges the gap between faith and business. Welcome to Bottom Line Faith. On today's show, Ray sits down with Dr. John Townsend, founder of Townsend Now. The Bible wins. I don't care if you're talking about um, running your business um, on a profit level, or EBITDA, or relationships, or family. All that stuff that we study in leadership research, all that study we study in, in, in people research, the Bible's already got the answers. Well, hey everyone, this is Ray Hilbert, your host here at Bottom Line Faith, and we'd like to welcome you back to another edition of the program. I'm with one of my favorite leadership experts and really a, a great man of God and a dear friend for the program today, Dr. John Townsend. John, welcome to Bottom Line Faith. Hey, Ray. Well, if the folks are not familiar with you, John, let me take just a moment and read a couple of highlights. Um, we're going to talk about your, your Townsend Now program, uh, but also the author and co-author to over 30 books. And I want to talk about that if we can today. And I want to also learn more about the Townsend Leadership Institute as well as the Townsend Leadership Coaching Programs. Can we cover all that, you think, in the next few moments? If we talk really fast. <laughs> we can. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your background? Of course, I, I know of you and we've known each other a few years, but just help our audience understand a little bit about who you are and your background and kind of what life looks like for you. Sure. Well, by training, um, I'm a psychologist and um, I worked a lot in the uh, mental health field and the emotional health field and put to, that's where all the books began coming together, like Henry Cloud and I wrote Boundaries, and that was the kind of one that put us on the national landscape. And then uh, about 20, 25 years ago, I started working with leaders and people that said, look, I like this growth stuff, but you know, I'm not depressed and I don't have a you know, really struggling you know, kid problem or whatever, but I want to optimize myself and my organization. So I started researching and writing on leadership. So most of my time is spent now um, with organizations, NGOs, uh, corporations, uh, anything from small business to family business, family legacy business. And, and the task is really to, to do two things. My, my time is spent figuring out what makes the great ones perform well and how do they relate well. Because if you don't relate well, you can't perform well, and if it's all performance, doesn't work. So how do I get them to st think strategically and vision alliance and all that? But how do they communicate too? So that's how we do it. I'm just amazed when I, when I get to talk with you every time you teach me something new and I learn so many things. But as an author and co-author over 30 books, not many people have even read that many books. How do you come up with these ideas? What inspires you and help us understand the process of how a book comes about? Well, actually, I've got a list on my hard drive of the ones I want to write if I live to be, you know, 150. So Is that right? there's, there's always things, things that I'm learning because when you work with a variety of people and 
as you're working with them, you'll come up with a solution of something that's maybe it's something having to do with how people work on teams. And we'll come up with solutions and I'll think, goodness gracious, there's a book there. Or something that has to do with how do you set up operations and systems and, and that sort of thing that works better. So I'm always thinking, okay, that idea has probably got a book in it. So there's the list. So I kind of work on two things. I work on what my clients want because that's where their interest is. And I work on what is important to me too. If I don't have any passion for it, I've tried to write books like that. And it's just, you know, it's like doing your own dental work. I don't want to do it. <laughs> but if I've got some passion for it and I feel like the public likes it and wants it, that marriage is a really good, fun book. So of the 30 books that you've been a part of creating, what one or two is your personal favorite? Right, it's always the latest one. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that from John Maxwell. <laughs> Well, then tell us about the latest one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one that really has meant a lot to me lately, honestly, is uh, it's a leadership book called Leading From Your Gut. And what that has to do with the fact that, that God made us with two brains, really. A logical, linear, a database brain. We call it the left brain, even though it's not left, we found out. The neuroscience says it's all over. But the right, what was typically called the right brain is the emotional and creative and intuitive self. And most leaders are given more training and skills, MBA or whatever, on the left side. But you've got to, because you've got to know your data. But the way we're made is the, the, the great leaders understand the feelings, emotions, and intuition. So it's about marrying the two. And I really like the stories, and I think the principles and skills are good. Does that have anything to do with vision? Does that have to do oh. with seeing and intuitive? Tell me more. Absolutely. Look, for example, let's take mission and vision. We're always talking with organizations about mission and vision. Vision mission is your, your DNA, and it's kind of what your purpose is. If Acme, you know, what, Acme Staples wants to make a great Staples for everybody. That's your left side of your brain. Like, what's the purpose? How do we get there? you got to have that. That's kind of like the nuts and bolts. But the vision wakes people up and it gets employees excited and it gets the customers excited when you say, you know, in 10 years, we want to help people who didn't have a great staple to have an organized desk and feel like they're on top of things and they're happy. So you, you marry the emotional side of the vision to the nuts and bolts reality side and mission, you've got a good way to get alignment. And, and so we now live in this information age and everything's about data and about analytics. How do those then work together? How, how is it that great leaders can cast that vision and then companies and their teams can collect the data and actually implement? Do you understand what Absolutely. I'm saying? How does that work together? Well, it's really cool to watch what's happening now in the workplace and the marketplace about that because of, for example, one thing that everybody, not everybody, a lot of people are using this, is agile teamwork now. And it used to be, here's the plan, and it's kind of linear, and you go A, B, C, and incrementally, you need this much money, this much people. And now people are getting together with a big chalkboard and saying, I'll take that, I'll take that. And it's kind of like a spider web, okay. this agile right. stuff, because they're finding out that really motivated, smart, high-performing, intuitive people who also have very good logic, they want to like look at, a, at this, and they kind of, kind of go, th go through a, a time warp, really, right? They kind of go, we'll do this and this and this. And you think, you can't get it done on time. And they're, coming, they're now coming to um, conclusions and results faster than a strictly linear approach. So if you don't ignore your feelings, and you don't ignore the data, and you respect both, you get it done better and faster. All the research is saying that. That's leading from the gut. That is leading from the gut. So, John, your, your faith is cornerstone. Mm. Let, let's talk about that. Let's talk a little bit about where did that faith come from and then how does it, re let's talk also about how does this, you know, integrate into what you do professionally. Sure. Well, I was born um, and raised in North Carolina and uh, we were always a church going family. 
but I really made a spiritual, I guess, kind of a, a growth or a spiritual inspiration when I got to college and got involved with a group called the Navigators. Yeah. And I was with NAVS for many years and they helped me to learn, you know, how important the Bible was and your faith and talking to people about Christ and this sort of thing. And from there, um, I went to seminary to get my master's in theology, Dallas Theological Seminary. And uh, I just wanted to learn how important the, the, the languages were. I mean, three years of Greek, two years of Hebrew. I really wanted to be able to not be dependent on the commentaries. What does the Bible really say? But as I was going through that, um, I really, I think God called me to, to get a doctorate in psychology. I wanted to say now, now that I know what I know about the Bible and I have the tools, how do I learn how to help people? So I went ahead and got the doctorate. As people say, I was dying by degrees. I got so many of those. <laughs> but what I found out in all the studies, the seminary theological studies and the psychological studies, found out one truth, and that is that the Bible wins. I don't care if you're talking about um, work, running your business um, on a profit level or EBITDA or relationships or family. All that stuff that we study in leadership research, all that study we study in, in, in people research, the Bible's already got the answers. And this, the research, I love research, right? I love neural research, I love business research, but all the great studies, here was the aha, all the great studies will only serve to support what God said thousands of years ago, that the Bible's got all the answers. So that's why it's been critical to all my thinking and all my writing. And that's really what we try to uh, highlight here on the program at Bottom Line Faith is how leaders and their faith integrate, impact, how it leads their leadership. Yep. And that's really the cornerstone of who you are. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the challenges as we talk about this integration of faith and leadership? You know, we have business owners, CEOs, high capacity leaders that, that listen to the program. What are some of the challenges that they face when it comes to that faith work integration piece? One of the biggest ones that I notice is what's called the sacred secular split. Yeah. Which means a lot of times they have a great faith, but they feel like somehow that because they're not a missionary or they're not a pastor, that they're kind of like level B and all the really truly spiritual people are level A. And the Bible never ever teaches that. It always says that you're supposed to do where you're called. And but a lot of them feel like, gosh, um, uh, I'm not sharing my faith enough at work, or I don't have enough Bible verses on the coffee cups or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. It's, yeah. It has a lot more to do with how you relate to people, care about people, listen to people. And so I work a lot with leaders on, let's stop worrying about what's sacred and what's secular. It's all spiritual. Everything is spiritual. This is my father's world. And to kind of relax and live out your faith in a natural way. There is this movement the last few years where we're seeing more conversation, we're reading more books. I remember 20 years ago when we started Truth at Work, you were hard pressed to find a book. You were hard pressed to find a, a conference or a workshop. I mean, so, you had halftime back then with yeah, a lot of people. That's kind of it back yeah, then. Yeah, you had the, the sprinkling occasional thing, right. but why do you think there has been this awakening? What have you seen? I think the church is sort of influencing business and business is influencing the church. What I love to see is how business folks are getting their theology straight about their faith is important mm -hmm. and how to integrate it. And then the church is coming to the business folks and saying, how do we have a bottom line, speaking of bottom line faith? Because they're not as good at that. And I, and I feel like um, now that the church is really kind of rallying that we're all in the same boat here, um, things are going really well. I love to see really high quality business guys and gals on um, boards and elder boards and missionary agencies, but I love to see when the church and pastors and mature leaders come on into the marketplace yeah. and say, how do we help our, 
If we, have, if we treat our people a certain way, if we treat our customers a certain way that the Bible teaches, everybody wins. So they're kind of shaking hands better. I want to maybe just pause for a moment, actually hit the rewind button, because prior to all these initiatives, you had a, a very successful business career. Healthcare, if I'm not mistaken, yep. in the healthcare field. As a follower of Christ, let's, let's kind of go back. When you were in that industry and in that time of your life and career, tell us about one of the hardest decisions you had to make in that actual leadership role, and how did your faith play a role in that? The hardest thing I remember about all that, Ray, was that it had to end. You mean like in the company? In the business. Okay, and okay. That was a whole, I went through a whole existential crisis on that. Um, Henry Cloud, um, who I've done many, many things with, um, he and I and some other people had a healthcare company that had um, probably 10, 15, probably about 20 different hospital programs for people who are struggling as well as counseling programs uh, on the West Coast in between Seattle and San Diego. Okay, okay. And we operated for uh, 10 years and it was real successful. And then a disruptive technology came in called insurance changes. I don't know if you remember the difference between indemnity insurance and HMOs. It's just the way things evolve. But our model wasn't consistent with an HMO model. And so um, it, it was an unsustainable business. And so we said, it, it can't work like this. So we sold it. And I can remember like it was yesterday, praying with Henry, like it's kind of scratching your head while you're praying. Now, okay, God, now what? I, think, <laughs> I thought we'd be doing this the rest of our life, right? And you know, helping people and having them meet challenges and have breakthroughs. And um, we said, okay, we're, we're open listening. We had no idea. And it was a very hard time. But what happened was, as, as we kept praying and talking to people, some opportunities came along. And the, the opportunity that was number one was that the speaking began to explode. And we began uh, to speak all over the place. The national exposure through a radio show called New Life Live, which has now got three million listeners, daily counseling, 300 stations nationwide. We, got, we became the people to, that were hosting that. And all of a sudden, that's, the words that we've been writing about and helping people, we, we moved from a local West Coast you know, entity to the world. And from that, then all the leadership stuff started developing. Um, so I don't know, what was the key there? You know what the key really was? It was like Proverbs 6, right, where it says, be like the ant, you sluggard. You know, she just gets up and she goes and then she, 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 you know, she harvests every, I mean, no, she grabs everything from the food in the spring and she harvests in the fall. And we just kept trying to do the right thing daily after yeah. daily. Kind of like getting manna every day if you're in Israel. We just manna every day. Then all of a sudden, um, good things started happening. But that was a tough time. But what I ended up with was kind of a reach and a platform that I never dreamed I would have. So I also think of the biblical passage that says what the devil meant for evil, God meant for good, because yeah. it really exploded a whole new um, audience, a yeah. whole new arena platform, and, and the rest has been amazing since. I'm not sure I would call HMOs evil, because I've got a lot of HMO <laughs> friends, but, <laughs> but, but it felt really bad at the time. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and God made some really redemptive things happen. So in that vein, um, let's say that someone's listening to our conversation right now, and they're in a dark season. They're really dis mm. discouraged, they're frustrated, disappointed. It's not gone like, you know, like you were saying, there's like this major disruptive thing that's happened. What word of encouragement would you have for them? Well, I think when the Bible teaches about these times, because so many, you see these men in the Bible, Joseph's time and Moses' time and Peter's time, there's always some commonalities. Number one, you've got you've to be serious about God. 
And it's not just give me the goodies and I'll, you know, I appreciate it. It's sort of like I'm yours. And so it's a surrender issue. That's number one. Second thing is though, you've got to have really, really high quality people around you. And they have, always have to have two characteristics, I think. One is they've got to be totally full of grace for you. They would never judge you nor condemn you because nobody grows and makes it through crisis with a bunch of judges in their head. But the second thing is they've got to be brutally honest. You, want, you don't want people to say, you know, really nice to see your Cadillac as it's going over the cliff. Nice paint job, ah, you know. That's not the friends I want. I want somebody to say, stop, don't drive your car over that cliff. So if they're full of grace and full of truth, um, you, you, you take that and they can become Jesus with skin on, huge. And then the, the third thing is probably is to, is to be willing to do difficult things for a long time. You know, the work ethic in our country sometimes is not what it should be, what it, you know, and, and it needs to get better. But people that are grinding and grinding and grinding, they succeed. Those are the big three for me. That's fantastic. Well, John, so far we've talked about your, your background and, and, and coming to Christ. Uh, we've talked about how some of the challenges that Christian leaders face in the marketplace and integrating their faith. You've shared some examples of how your faith you know, played a role in getting you through some difficult times in business. I'd like to talk now about what you're up to now. Tell, tell us, you, you've got a, a number of things going on, but in any order, what would you like to share with us? Yeah, there's a bunch of fun stuff going around for leadership now, I think, right? Um, and the way I have to look at it is I've got kind of an ecosystem where there are different sorts of deliverables for people who invested either in, in, in different levels or different interests. Um, the newest one's called Townsend Now. It's yeah. a website. And it's my subscription site, Space Business, where I go in the studio all the time. We've got probably over 100 videos now of various topics that I'll give brief videos about anything from leadership to success to challenges, relationships, family, where they kind of get my point of view in a quick, easy way. But also now we have coaches that I've trained online. So if a person says, I got a question about that, We've got people, you know, so Sam in Baltimore can say, to say, ask to Sally in um, Seattle, okay, I need some help in about four hours about a hard talk I've got to have or a question. Okay, they do the Skype coaching. So oh, wow. that's the word now, because everybody, you know, we're all ADD these days. Everybody, everything's YouTube and get it right now. And we're trying to go to that market and say, we can get you what you need now, either video or a coach, or we can give you one of our self-assessments. I've written assessments on how good are your boundaries, how good is your success, your blah, blah, blah. So that's my digital life. And, um, and how, how, if someone's listening and saying, man, that sounds really fascinating, how can they learn more about that? Townsendnow.com. And you can try it out for a month for free. It's $10 a month after you do that. I'm always going to the studio, but townsendnow.com is the way to go. And now businesses are using it as part of their HR process. It's kind of the wellness part. They'll say, we'll get our people a subscription to it. And what people find out is, yeah, uh, we, we're, we feel better. We've got better self-image. People are motivated, this sort of thing. So. We're kind of adding to the market that way. Another thing is uh, the Townsend Institute, and um, that is my online uh, master's in either organizational leadership, master's in counseling, master's in coaching, consulting. It's an online program that we think is really high quality, so people can get what they need in the marketplace, but online because of the convenience. And I use not only my material, but also the latest neuroscience, and um, lots of great faculty, and we've got students from all over the world. People can come in and get a master's, or they can just kind of say, I just want a certificate. I've already got my MBA. Okay. Or they can just cherry pick courses. And we've got one of our, one of our, our hallmarks is our fellows. And our, our fellows are people who have world-class 
sorts of abilities and, and accomplishments that we always bring in. You know, people certainly like Henry Cloud and, and people like Jim Daly, CEO of Focus on the Family. They're part of the fellows. We got this guy named Ray Hilbert, who's one of our fellows, and goodness gracious, he's the rock star. But, Cut. <laughs> but people like yourself and other people who've achieved yeah. at a platform level, yeah. our students want to hear, okay, how did you do it? Yeah. So, and, and, and actually today, you and you're gonna be coming with me to the studio, we're gonna be having you talk to our students and answer their questions, and they're just thrilled. So we're really excited about the Townsend Institute. Uh, we've been in operation for a while now, so now we know what, we think we know what we're doing. And then there's Townsend Leadership Program. And that's not an academic program like the Institute. That's a peer-led, facilitator-led, once-a-month uh, setting where leaders can come in to their wherever their location is, Chicago or Dallas or Southern California or anywhere, meet with a facilitator. We form teams of no more than 10 people, and they learn two things. They learn about their task skills. Strategy, vision, organizational, financial, they learn about all those things you've got to learn, but they also learn people skills, emotional intelligence, how to listen, how to know what your strengths and weaknesses are, how to give and receive feedback, all from a Christian perspective. And we've got sites all over the country for people that want to join TLP, Townsend Leadership Program. Those are the three things that are exciting. So in that, that that's, that's, that's incredible because you're, you're able to meet people where they're at in their journey. Yes in their budget mm -hmm. and in their application. Yes. And so of all of that, um, why is that so exciting for, for you at this stage in your life? You, why is this what's got you just jacked up every morning? Probably because um, I've always been interested in how do you help people where they are and not shoving down your model down their throat. You know, I'm, I'm really big on listening to the market. And so if somebody just wants to say, look, I want a book, I want to have a book for them, you know, for Kindle at $6.99. If they want to go to, the, to get a subscription thing, that's fine. Or if people want to come in and say, look, we've been watching your stuff, our company wants you, we'll take your people in. I just think that people ought to be met where they are. What's the level of challenge? Where are the organization right now? You know, some organizations are good to great on a cause level. Yeah. They just need want to learn greatness and better culture, better teams. Some organizations are broken to good. They're really red flagging, and we need to be able to meet them where they are. And some of them are doing great. They want to be even greater and optimized. And we want to be able to help them whatever level they're at. And so if, if I'm a, uh, an emerging leader, let's say in a company here, or I'm really kind of uncertain, what, what would be a great starting point for me to connect with, with what you're doing? What, what would you recommend? I'd recommend first is the Townsend Now, because you can kind of see, okay, well, either this guy is, you know, he needs to be, have more medication because he's not making any sense, or, okay, a few of these videos really made sense. I like the, pro, the, the holistic approach that you've got to know what you're doing strategically, but you've got to be a people person too. It makes sense to me. So I just kind of like, you know, try that out. And if it, if it makes sense, then just call our office and we can start to bring coaches to you and people like that. You, you've mentioned there's been a thread throughout our conversation about people person, being a people person. Let's say that I'm listening to this conversation and say, John, that sounds great, but I'm just not wired that way. I'd much rather sit behind my computer or I'd much rather, you know, be involved in a task or a project than people. Why is it so important to, to develop those skills even if I don't think I'm a people person? Because there is no such thing as a non-people person, actually. We always need people who are strong in task and maybe not as strong as people skills, but everybody's got to have people skills because that's how we're wired. Go back to Luke 10, and Mary and Martha are serving the Lord, and Martha's kind of the task person, making sure everything's right. And she goes, hey, you know, look at all the work I'm doing. And Jesus said, wait a minute, she chose the good part. So to, if we say, well, a people person, I'm not that, then you're saying, I don't, I'm not the good part. 
and that just doesn't work. Most people I know that will say that, what they say is, I don't have the skills. Nobody sat there and told me about empathy and listening and how to validate experience and how to handle people who are upset and how to handle my own emotions. And every time I take somebody through the process, they go, now I know what I'm doing. I was working with a, an executive one time and his board had sent him uh, to, to, for me to see him privately and his wife had sent him. So I knew, okay, when your board says it and your wife says it, <laughs> you better show up, right? He says, they tell me I don't listen well and you know, they tell me out all this emotional relational stuff. I'm not good at it and I'm, I'm not a people person. And I said, well, let me try it out. I said, let me see how good you are with your emotions. What are you feeling? I'm, I'm kind of in the moment guy. I said, what are you feeling right now? Just right now, what are you feeling in the moment? He goes, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like it's about 3.30. And I said, come on, God bless you. You know, that's a thought. And it was a good thought, but it ain't a feeling. <laughs> so I said, we got work to do. So we began to find out he'd always, he'd come from a family where task was important. Great, loving, high-performing family, great faith. But nobody ever dealt with like him as an emotional person. He got his skills and he was fine. So you got to have both sides of the brain. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, that's, that's really what it's about at the end of the day. When we talk about here in the program about integrating our faith, it really is about people. I mean, it's about people. Christ came for souls of people, not for institutions, right? Yes. And not organizations, but for people. Hmm. And so, John, I'd like you to, let's go back to this idea of encouragement just for a moment, okay? Hmm. If just one person could be encouraged by this conversation today, then it would have been worth our time. Mm -hmm. And so somebody is listening to this program and they're saying, John, this all sounds really great. Mm -hmm. And I want to be this kind of person. Would you just tell them what they need to hear to be encouraged that they're struggling with this? The one thing that comes to mind, Ray, is that most people that you and I are around, Christian leaders who are trying to do their best for the kingdom and for their families and their organizations, they think that for them to unburden themselves, is a burden to others. And they think they're going to be mm -hmm. high maintenance and they just need to be strong all the time. They need to be encouraging others all the time. And yet when you go to the Bible and it says, we comfort with each other with the comfort we've been comforted with, the Second Corinthians one, I think you'd be surprised at the people if you just said, can I unbutton with you a bit? I know I'm talking to God and my spouse and my Labrador retriever, mm -hmm. but maybe there's some other people. And four or five people just say, can I really tell you what's really, really, really going on? they would feel honored, they would feel moved, they would feel like a privilege, and they would feel like, I'd like to help. Don't think that you're being selfish or a burden to other people when you need to unpack. You know, when you were with us last time, Ray, one of the, it was one of the best talks we've had. You talked about the isolation of the leader, and it was a, it was a monumental talk. I mean, it's, it's gotta be seen by everybody. It's the same thing. We think as leaders, we've got to give and give and give, and we only get our needs met by God, but that's not what the Bible says. Right. It's God and other people. That's right. And we talked, I remember that, that conversation we had, talked about our first Peter, you know, that the devil is as a roaring lion seeing, seeking whom he can devour. And the lion always goes after the isolated. Yes. People think he goes after the sick, but he can't see this. He doesn't know which one is sick. He just knows which one is isolated. And so I appreciate you reframing that up. So that's great advice. That's great advice. So as we wind down, I've got just a couple of advice type questions I'd like to ask you to share with us. John, I'd like you to just maybe think about for a moment, advise your 20-year-old self. If you could go back and counsel, mm. which you've counseled thousands and thousands of leaders, if you could go back and counsel the 20-year-old John Townsend, what advice would you give him? Uh, first thing I would tell him is just what I told our, our listening family here, is 
Stop trying to be there for everybody all the time. That people with an empty tank, you really can't fill other people's tank up unless you've been unbuttoning. And the word that I use is vulnerability. I would have told my 20 year old self, stop trying to be Superman, yeah. and save the world, be vulnerable to other people, and you'll be amazed at how people come around in your life. That'd be number one. And why is it so hard for people to open up and be vulnerable? Why do you think that is? Well, when you look at the research, because I study vulnerability a lot, there's always two things. One is either because someone's vulnerable, maybe their, their challenges or their failures got shamed. And so somebody in your life, an authority figure or a coach or pastor or parent or relative, somebody said, that's not okay that you have these weaknesses. You gotta be strong. And so the shame hits and okay, I'll just be strong the rest of my life and I'll get the big red S on my chest and that's it. Or because they just never knew. Nobody ever told them you know, that you really can't be close to somebody who's not vulnerable. But when you finally take a risk and say, look, I do have some challenges and my life isn't perfect and I wanna tell somebody about it, people just come out of the woodwork. What's the best advice anyone's ever given you? The best advice that I ever heard from anybody was above all else, be faithful. Bible's got 30,000 verses, and it's got a lot of commands in there, and there's an overwhelming. But if you wake up every morning and say, like it says in 1 Samuel, where the young boy Samuel says, speak, Lord, for your servants listening. Be faithful to every day say, it's your game. Tell me. Really good things happen. Faithful in relationships, faithful in work. Elaborate a little bit. Faithful first to ask God, okay, what's the, what's the direction of yeah. Yeah. And then after that, whatever he says, it tends to be, well, I want you to find a core team of people that love you no matter what. Yeah. I want you to find out what your gifts are and develop them. And then I want you to go make the world a better place in your organization. Faithful in those things. Show up. You know, there's a lot of books written about passion and well need passion. But there's books now written that say you got to have passion, but you got to have uh, a little elbow grease too. That's what faithful means. I love it. I love it. This might be a curveball question. So, right, I'm used to this one. I know you are. That's why it's fun talking with you. If you were Ray Hilbert interviewing Dr. John Townsend right now, what's one question that you would ask that I haven't? I'd say, um, I would probably ask, I would probably say, what's the future hold? Because I'm, I'm a real future person, future's excited. What's that look like for me? Oh, you're gonna ask me the question, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you, you put the ball in the team. Yeah, you <laughs> set it up for you. Um, I'm kind of a more of the same person. I like the directions things have gone the last 30 years, but I always, I'm always reading about tech. I'm always reading about theology. What I'm really spending my time is neuroscience and how that affects business. And so I'm looking for opportunities and people that can make things go better. So it's, I don't see any 90 degree turns. They could happen, of course, but I see more and more of the same as we learn more about how the human condition and how organizations can do better. That's fantastic. The last question I uh, always ask in Bottom Line Faith interviews is what I call my 423 question. Mm. And, and it may be related to an answer you gave earlier on the best advice you've given, but Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, Solomon writes that above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows all of life. So John, if you had the chance to, mm. it's the end of your time, this side of eternity, and you're getting ready to go home to be with the Lord, 
and you have a chance to gather your family, your friends, and your loved ones, and you get to pass along one piece of advice, I want you to fill in the blank for us. Above all else, it'd be somewhere on the line of, above all else, make sure you got the message from God and you did what he said, and in doing so, you loved other people unreservedly. You know, Jesus talks about that in John 15. You know, he says, he says, you're here to love each other and bear fruit. So get the message from God in terms of your vocation and service and love people unreservedly because that's really at the end of it, that's what we've got. Fantastic, thank you for your time today. Thanks, Ryan. Well, folks, we have absolutely had a chance today at Bottom Line Faith to hear from one of the country's foremost leadership gurus and thought leaders, Dr. John Townsend. As we've talked about in the interview, check out his uh, amazing coaching online uh, discovery program and coaching program at, at townsendnow.com. Uh, you can also learn about his Leadership Institute and his coaching programs as well. But we hope that you've learned some new insights today, that you've been encouraged in your faith. That is our goal here at Bottom Line Faith. So I just want to thank you for joining the program today. Until next time, I am your host here at Bottom Line Faith, Ray Hilbert, saying God bless and serve the Lord faithfully in the marketplace. Bottom Line Faith is brought to you by Truth at Work. If you'd like to hear about new episodes or listen to past episodes, visit us online at bottomlinefaith.org. You can also subscribe to the show through Google Play and iTunes.